Welcome to From the Rooker End Season 3. Uh, my name is John, with me is Mike. Hello. And uh, Jason. Hello. Uh, we should are... I say bonjour? No. Oh, bonjour, <laughs> ciao. And we are three Life on What fans, season ticket holders in the Rookery End, and these podcasts that we've been doing for the last um, two seasons are basically our take on life as fans of Watford Football Club. And that's changed quite a lot, what yeah. it means to be. I've been away for some, have I missed anything? <laughs> a couple of little things. We're here today at Lloyd Dawley's testimonial match, and that's, that's a lovely thing to say, and a warm feeling you get inside when I, when I say that, Mike. How do you feel about that? Oh, absolutely. hugely proud of Lloyd, obviously, in this day and age. I mean, it's, it doesn't happen very often. He's been playing for 10 seasons now, 10 years, and it just doesn't happen. I think what makes it even nicer is he's a good bloke as well. We've had him on the podcast a couple of times, and I think the, the amount of people that are here in the ground already, about two hours before the, the main game kicks off, um, it's testament to how what, what high esteem Watford fans hold him in. It's great to have. He's a character as well. Yeah. And absolutely superb that Watford are recognising him in this way and uh, glad to be here. And I think, yeah, the fans clearly appreciate him. We're talking about the crowd. Looking at it now and from what the guys and ticket office are saying, I think we'd like to see more here for this game than we are for the Wickham League Cup tie yeah. next weekend. It's, um, we're in the middle of the, the Legends match, which kicked off at uh, quarter past 12. It's currently 1-0 to Tottenham. But Nigel Gibbs is doing a fantastic job there on the uh, right back. Rolling back the years. Rolling, well, rolling, definitely. Li- literally rolling. <laughs> fantastic to see this new pitch, a, a stadium filling up with a nice buzz around it. Because of lots of change. Back in May, when we watched the Championship Player Final, it was our end-of-season podcast. We talked about the great season we had. We had a, a look forward to what life might be like under Sean Dyche this season coming up and some worries that we had about the off-pitch activities of our, the owner, Lawrence Bassini. Now, everything we said in that podcast is officially out of date <laughs> and, and pointless, so don't download that podcast anymore. Jason, we've not even seen a kick of a ball this season. There's a lot of change. How are you feeling about that change? I, I have to say I'm feeling positive. No! That's probably been used already, hasn't it? Come on, let's be honest. No, we've been getting a grin from the ball boys. Brilliant. I don't think that's yeah, a I, grin. I, I, <laughs> that's his head. Um, yeah, I, no, I am feeling positive about it. It, it. It's clear, and I think we'll probably hear a lot more about how things were going badly for the club under the previous regime. And I think a lot of things that weren't known and wouldn't have come out whilst Bassini was in charge will start to come out, and we'll probably hear more and more. And we will realise just how badly that this club was being run and in what direction it was heading. It's been well documented what the Pozos have done at Udinese and Granada and it, and it does bode well these guys know about football they, they, it definitely looks like they know how to run a football club in, in a sensible fashion as well which well, is what we need well on the podcast we are going to look back on the exit of Lawrence Bassini we'll hear what life could be like under the Pozo family when we talk to Heath Chester a British journalist out in Spain who follows the family's second club CF Granada we'll see what this season's Watford team are going to look like as they take on Spurs in the pre-season friendly here this afternoon at Vickers Road. Plus, we'll try and grab a word with the man of the day, Lloyd Doyley, after the game is done. But let's start the brand new season off with an ending. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Oh, 2-0 to Spurs. Darren Anderson got a second one there in the Legends match. I'm starting to get that familiar feeling about being back at Watford. <laughs> How long it? It's not even three o'clock. But apparently they played together quite a lot, so maybe that's a thing. As we said, it's been a, a summer of major change off the pitch at Vicarage Road, and later on we'll be talking about how those changes might affect Watford fans under the Pozzo family. But before we move on, we have to cross the T's and dot the I's on our outgoing owner, Lawrence Bassini. 
Now, we spent most of last season talking about how Lawrence's communication skills and extravagant statements led us to not get 100% behind him. Would you agree, Mike? I think it's fair to say I wasn't his staunchest uh, supporter, but yeah. Look, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. Nothing he said made sense. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I said on, um, on one of the blog posts that we've done, an article that I did, that I went back through everything he said through, through the Watford Observer and sort of wrote it down so we could see when he said it and what he said. And it, it, it was just pie in the sky. If you, if you just did a timeline of it, he said, this will be happening in, within two weeks. Um, and then there was always little caveats, as long as this happens first. But that will happen in two weeks, so therefore that will happen. Yeah. And the whole thing was just... Um, it just set alarm bells ringing. Anyone that listens to the podcast will know that I wasn't confident. We didn't know what was going on in any as much as, uh, as anyone else. We just had gut feelings. Um, and I think towards the end, it started coming out what was going on it didn't sound like the club was being run correctly at all and now if you ever listen to these podcasts over the last two seasons firstly thank you uh, i think we're downloading and listening but you'll know that we're not journalists that we don't go out looking for juicy stories we don't spend hours researching them trying to get the the scoop on things this podcast is, is basically our hobby so like most Watford fans we spent the summer reading articles on the Watford observer website in the paper and on the club's official website and just trying to get hold of an idea of what has been going on and let's go through that story now let's start by saying firstly back on Sunday the 12th of February the Watford Observer first reported that the Pozzo family had an interest in buying Watford Football Club then on Friday the 15th of June pressure mounts on Watford FC owner Lawrence Bassini and this article brought up a number of issues we heard about how bitter divisions within the club came to a head when the police were called to the ground where it was understood that a senior member of staff refused to relieve the safe keys to Lawrence. He confirmed... I asked for my keys to the safe. It is my safe. The employee wouldn't give them to me. I suspended that person and had the employee escorted from the building by the police. By the way, we should point out at this point that that isn't Lawrence Bassini's actual voice. We've just recorded his direct quotes that were in the article. We haven't ever met Lawrence uh, one-on-one. So these are quotes from the Watford Observer. Yeah. yeah. Lawrence also rubbished at the same time suggestions that HM Revenue and Customs were investigating the club for unpaid taxes, national insurance contributions. And to that, he said... Utter nonsense! Where are you getting this? There's no truth. It's nonsense. There were also reports in the article that employees were upset as their May wages weren't paid on the usual date. Lawrence stated. In the contracts, wages need to be paid around the end of the month. They were paid on the 30th. Then there was the pressure he was under to sell the club by its bondholders. Lord Ashcroft, former chairman Graham Simpson and director David Franson. However, Bassini claimed... The bondholders cannot take the club from me. I own the club. It's all nonsense. There are four people that are bidding for the club. Everything is for sale at a price but I don't want to sell. On the Pozzos, he added... That was back in February, not now. He's not interested now. He's looking at other things. The Watford Observer told us that until he pays £7.5 he owed them, he still needs to buy by certain covenants in a contract. These included a number of points, such as the termination of Graham Taylor or Stuart Timpley as directors. And as we know, Graham Taylor left during the summer. The document states that if an event of default takes place, then money owed can be declared immediately payable. Michael. So after all that, <laughs> how on earth were you feeling as a Watford fan? 
hard to describe, really. I mean, I was pleased in some ways that the tide was uh, was eventually turning against uh, against Bassini because I think, uh, you know, why would fans? You know, I was very very negative. I am, you know, as people know, I am, I'm like that as a, as a person anyway. But it was sometimes it was a struggle for me to explain to people why I felt like that about about Bassini. I mean, I just had a feeling that things weren't going right. Things started coming out that things definitely weren't going right. Um, we were obviously approaching an end game, and in some ways I was hugely nervous because. It was obviously a critical moment for, for the club, and it felt like you know we were almost on the precipice. I don't know quite how dangerous it was, but it felt like this was a real make-or-break time. But on the other hand, I was pleased because it felt like someone who had obviously been doing wrong was being brought to account publicly. So I'm glad that we reached those crossroads, but there's still that element of nerves that it, we were going to go the right way. Well, at that point, he, he had denied that the Pozzos were, were still involved. But only days later on... Sunday, 17th of June. Lawrence Bassini confirms Udinese owners, the Pozzo family, set to take over Watford. In the article, Lawrence said... I can't confirm that I will definitely leave because I don't know if they have the money for definite. If they do, it could be in the next 48 hours. I've been here 14 months and I don't see my daughter at the weekends. I like to do everything with her. She doesn't like football, so that's a massive reason for me deciding to sell. I knew a while ago that I wanted to leave, but it had to be to the right person. I'm not leaving because I should or because I've been advised to leave. It just takes up too much of my life. I love the club and the fans. It's a great club and I'll continue to support it. Now, Jason, that certainly is a very different (laughs) set of statements from what we heard just days earlier. Oh, I think it's sum, it, it sums the man up, doesn't it? The number of times he flip-flopped on decisions throughout the season anyway, the fans' forums he was going to come to and they didn't turn up at the last minute, the spat, the public spat he had with Graham Taylor when he said he was going to withdraw his funding, then he wasn't going to withdraw his funding. Uh, it, it just sums up. We just couldn't, couldn't trust anything the man said. Was, everything he said was contradictory. And the fact that he did it so quickly... Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, how yeah, he yeah. could say something that was, you know, Three it's days. like saying black one minute, and then 30 seconds later say, well, actually, you know, black's white. It was just nonsensical. And which was the terrifying thing about it. You know, this was the guy who was still in charge of our club. At that point he was. And, and forward wind to... Thursday, 21st of June. Lawrence Bassini claims he's agreed terms with Udinese owners in Watford takeover. So terms were agreed. But one day later, on Friday, 22nd of June... Lawrence Bassini claims Pozo takeover of Watford is off. Lawrence contacted the Watford Observer and said, They don't have the money that I want for the takeover, so I'm not doing the deal. They didn't provide proof of funds, and it's not transparent enough, so that's that. They've got so many partners, but they don't have the money. The deal is definitely off. They don't have the money. What can I do? This was followed quite quickly by a club statement that was on WatfordFC.com, saying... Despite recent remarks, the deal for the sale of Watford FC to the Pozzo family is progressing nicely. There is no issue with funds, and both parties are hoping to conclude shortly. That was very worrying, Constriction Mike, for a statement for Watford fans. In fact, this is the point where we put up on our Facebook group, keep calm, get the truth about Bassini, support the takeover. Well, I think at that stage, Bassini had obviously lost complete control because the, the company that he supposedly owned was putting out contradictory statements to what he was saying on its, on its official website. And, and, so, and I spoke to Frank at the Watford Observer, Frank's with the Watford Observer, and he said Lawrence was contacting him. Yeah. Um, and so it was just, you know, he just obviously lost control. No one really knew what, was going to, what he was going to say next. 
and it was hugely concerning in many respects because you don't want to put off prospective buyers, you know, by these, you know, they're, they're obviously, there'd obviously been um, quite a lot of work going into the deal leading up to that point, and you'd like to think that successful businessmen and serious businessmen aren't put off by the odd silly quote. However, you never know, you know, if this is the way he's acting in public, what's, what's, how's he been acting behind the scenes? Um, and it was a little bit embarrassing, really. I mean, probably fans who weren't, who weren't as close to Watford as we are probably didn't take quite as much notice. But as Watford fans, it was, it was hard to watch, really, wasn't it? It was like an episode of, um, of sort of East Oxy Enders or something. Yeah, it did. I mean, I must admit, it did worry me as to, as to what his plans were for the future. It, it was clear that the club was going in the wrong direction uh, under Bassini. But why would he not want to take this opportunity to sell the yeah. club? What, what was, was he thinking was of doing to our football club? Yeah. If he did manage to hang on to it, I, he yeah. worried me greatly at the time. Well, with, with the with the, the the bad reports coming out from the the beginning of from the first article we've talked about, the fact that actually this might not go through and Lawrence might not be going away, that was a bit where I really did start to panic. But finally. On Tuesday the 26th of June, we got owner statement on the official club site. In it, Lawrence said, I'm aware there have been plenty of rumours regarding myself and the club. Since day one, I don't think people have given me a chance, and I include people within the club and the media in that. Over the last 15 months or so, Watford Football Club's achieved a lot. When I arrived at the club, it was facing administration, and I put in several millions to keep the club going. Our current season ticket sales for 2012-13 at this stage of the summer are our highest for a number of years. While the football side of things, the team and the management achieved the club's highest league position for five years after we brought in 11 new players to strengthen the squad. Work is currently progressing on a new pitch. This will add to the investment we've already made in the stadium since I've been at the club. A new giant screen has been installed and a new PA system has been put in place and seats have been replaced as well. The Red Lion, which was a depreciating asset, has been refurbished to provide a home for supporters. These are all positive things for the football club and for the supporters. I don't know why people want to spread rumours about me. It's very wrong and I think people have short memories. All of the things I've mentioned are positive things for the club. I fail to understand what I've done wrong at the club. I've never taken a penny out of the club. I can prove that on the balance sheet. If there's been difficulties recently, it's because I've been trying to pay off the bondholders and Barclays Bank. Going forward, I've got protection for the club. And in response to press reports, I never said I'd receive £12 million for the club. To date, I haven't seen the substantial proof of funds the prospective owners have to run the club going forward but I understand the bondholders are satisfied. To date, I have not met the Pozzo family, but my representatives have. I would like to reiterate how much I care about this football club. I don't think people understand that I care what happens to this club. I know there have been people doing things they shouldn't have been doing at the club. They've been found out and have left. Since then, they've been spreading rumours about me. So no one liked him, Mike. No one gave him time. Well, and he did a lot of really massive things for his club. Yeah, well, I think he got one of those things right. Um, you know, I, don't, I didn't like him. Um, and I'm sure most Watford fans don't like him now either. I think the things he's trying to take credit for are, you know, laughable. He's just, he's, 
he done he did nothing he said he was going to do go back to all the all his statements were pie in the sky you know stuff like the Graham Taylor stand for me was an absolute disgrace you know you cannot name a stand that doesn't exist and that with you know he obviously had no intention of ever building and there he was that's the kind of guy he was he was just always trying to curry favour with the supporters he knowing won't. that you know why should people doubt him which you know, I'd still maintain it's hard for people to who aren't close to the club. Why would you know? Why would you find out that things aren't going right until stuff comes out in the, in, the, in, the, in the public domain? But he was just making these laughable statements to try and stay, you know, keep, keep the Watford fans sweet. Eventually, luckily, it didn't work. It all came out and everyone saw him for what he was. We should be very grateful that he got out when he did. What we have learned, though, as football fans, is that we have got a responsibility to try and find out what goes on, you know, we've got this new, the new Pozzo family who are now the owners of the club. Mm. They look like they know what they're doing, they're talking the right talk and, and so far things are happening. But that doesn't mean as football fans, as Watford fans, that we should just sit back and assume. Mm. Because, you know, that's what people did with Bassini and look, and look what happened. Mm. He, he took us to the brink. And, and, that, and that brink is, is coming through more and more. We, we heard that apparently there is the club's are still trying to sort out all the people who yeah. are owed money. Well, the new chief exec, uh, D- Duxbury, described it as a mountain of debt, I think, yeah. in this week's Watford Observer. Um, and that says it all. I mean, you know, Bassini was saying how he was, uh, you know, steadying the financial ship and was investing all this money. I mean, what? It's palpable nonsense. Mm. Um, and now we're rebuilding, um, and hopefully we're at the start of something exciting. But as football fans, don't take it for granted that you will turn up at three o'clock and there will be a football club for you here t- to-, to watch. Because I don't think I think we were very close to that not being the case, and apathy is is deadly. Um, so that would be my my sort of lesson learned. Just um, try and try and look behind the curtain once in a while. And um, but hey, we're still we're here and shouting. We're uh, here living, kicking and breathing. And well, hopefully, a good afternoon of football going ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully, Watford legends can get one goal back against Spurs. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. From the rookery end. It's competition time. We're going to try and give away some prizes this year because yeah. you've listened to us for two seasons and, well, we need to give something back to you, I say. Yes. The first prize, Michael, was a bit of a blag on your part, was it not? Well, it's the first piece of Gianfranco Zola-based merchandise. It's actually the name tag from his press conference from his unveiling at Watford. We managed to get hold of that. So it's the first thing that sort of linked Gianfranco Zola with Watford in the, in the public eye. And it could be yours. It could be yours, but we're going we're to give away some, hopefully some decent prizes this, this year. This is a decent oh, no, 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 prize. Wait, all Come year on. round, this is an amazing prize. I'm I mean, decent prizes all year round. But we're not going to give away easy. All you have to do is send us an email with competition in the subject to podcast at fromtherookerend.com. Oh, hey! One back for the Hornets. Alan Smart. From Alan. There you go, Alan Smart. Yeah. Smart. A rocket from outside the box. Yeah, think considering just, he's just inside... inside. Considering he's almost certainly massively hungover, I think he's <laughs> Send your answers uh, with the word competition in the subject to podcast at fromtherookerend.com. Only but, one entrance per person. But the question, Jason. The question is, what is the aggregate score between Watford and their opponents in games in which Gianfranco Zola has played? So in the past, Watford versus Gianfranco Zola. What score? was the aggregate score? Email us, podcast at fromtherookerend.com and you can win a fantastic piece of Gianfranco Zola history here at Watford. One off. His first ever name place from his first ever press conference when he stood up in front of the world and said, I am the manager of Watford Football Club. It's, It's a money can't buy prize.
Got something to send the boys? Then email podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. 90% of the time when a club gets taken over, fans don't have a clue what will happen. Most owners haven't owned a football club before, so there is no history to look back on. Not so with Watford's new owners, the Pozo family. No, no. They have owned Udinese since 1986, and since 2009, they have owned Granada in Spain. Two football clubs, Michael. Two. They own two. Yeah. Successful football clubs. Not a failed uh, Italian restaurant in Pinna. <laughs> <laughs> That's a decent start. Yeah. So that means they have previous, and we can get an idea of how things might go by talking to someone who's been around Granada in the last few years. Keith Chesters is a journalist in Granada, Spain. He's a freelance accredited journalist writing for elcentrocampista.com and InsideSpanishFootball.com. And I think he also he also does some work for our new club sponsors. I think he reports on Granada to uh, Sports Interactive. He does. He's a, he's a researcher. So, for, uh, so any yeah. information you see, if you're Granada in, in Football Manager, Watford's new sponsors, <laughs> you will be using um, information supplied by So he knows a lot about uh, Granada and, uh, and their state of play. He does. So with that in mind, we got in touch with him and had a chat. On Skype, via a satellite link, hence the quality of the line, we started by asking him what state Granada were in when the Pozzo family took over. Literally close to death. I, I first started watching Granada 2005-2006 season. They were languishing in the dungeon divisions. They were in the Tercera Division 9, playing against local teams in, in this, this province, basically. My first game was a match against Loja in front of about three, 400 people, and they lost 3-1. The funny thing is, is that playing that day was the current captain, Manolo Lucena, which I always like to remind him of the fact that. So he's he's still there. He's more of a bit part player now, but um, you know it, it just shows that they they do have a bit of heart and that they keep players because he's I think at the moment the only Granadino player still at the club. So they've, they've kept him there, but um, no, literally summer two thousand nine, just as the Bozo family arrived. They hadn't cleared up various financial problems that led to them being demoted to the Tessera division anyway, and, and they were t- literally two weeks from closure. How did Granada fans react when the Pozos first took over? To begin with, like, like any fans, they were, they were sceptical. Was there a motive for uh, Granada to being bought by an Italian group? But I would say the, the vast majority were just, at that stage, knew how close the club was to the brink. They were just grateful somebody wanted to buy the club, somebody wanted to keep it alive, and, and they'd sort of find out what the consequences were later. Obviously, fortunately, since summer 2009, two consecutive promotions and survival in the Primera Division since, I don't think you'll find many Granada fans who, who aren't happy with, with what's happened with the Pozzo family. And what about that first season, Heath? What changed at the club? One of the first things that they did was they installed Kike Pina as, as club president along with his right-hand man, effectively, Juan Carlos Cordero, who's director of football or sports director at Granada. They've been responsible for a, a club called Ciudad de Mercia. Years previously, they'd taken that club from basically amateur football up to the verge of the, the Primera Division in, in record time. They then sold that club onto another businessman who decided to move the club as a franchise, almost like Wimbledon, MK Don's situation, moved the, the club to Granada, followed Granada 74, and that ended up going bust. There, there was a lot of criticism for the for, for Pina. However, when all things went pear-shaped with Granada 74, he'd actually sold the club and, and moved on. So that was one of the things that perhaps fans were, were a little bit concerned about. However, 
the, the Pozzo family have made it clear that's not their intention. It's, it's a long-term investment. They had installed Bina and Cordero effectively to, to bring some of the, the mercy and magic to Granada. So far as the uh, actual building a squad, building the club up, taking literally a modest club up to be punching above the weight, they've, they've done that exceptionally. They've had a few managers. Have they always been the same style? The first manager basically given about six months and literally the, the, the football was okay, but the results weren't there. And that was in the, the, the Segunda B4. They should have been top in a division. They, they had a load of players shipped over from, from Udinese on loan with the, the sole intention of getting the club out of the Segunda B4 uh, and into the, the, the Segunda A. It wasn't working. So defence with him come the, the January transfer window, January 2010, and literally brought in Fabio Gonzalez, who was more of a, a steadfast, direct football man, but a previous track record of getting little clubs and out of redundant divisions and um, turned things round, finished the season top of the, the Segunda B4, and then um, as is the convoluted playoff system here in Spain got them through the playoffs and up to the, the Segunda. So that was the, the, the first step. In the Segunda Division, or Liga Adelante as it's known now, literally it was a slow start to the season. Nobody expected promotion. Everybody thought, well, it'll take a couple of years to perhaps get up to the Primera Division, but that is the intention. But they managed to do it first time. They had a good run second half of the season. Uh, the waveform started to improve. They managed to creep into the, the, the playoffs, beat Celta Vigo over two legs in the playoff penalties. And then Elche on away goes. So they sort of straight through it, but they got there. <laughs> but do you think we can expect the fans to have the same sort of approach at Watford? I would assume the same, but I mean, I think although they wanted promotion and they wanted to do it relatively quickly, the original plan at Granada was to get from the, the third tier of Spanish football up to the top table within five strokes six years. Uh, obviously, they did it in, in, in two consecutive promotions. So I think last season, it was the first season in the, the Premier Division, everybody was a little bit unprepared. And it was a very, very difficult season last season because they were desperately trying to get you know, really good quality players. And, and understandably, they were, well, who's this club? You know, a, a lot of the, the current generation of players weren't even alive with the last time Granada had played in its flight in the 60s and 70s. Uh, so you could say it happened too quickly before they had a chance to, to sort of build a base. But now they've, they've done that, they've they built the base, they've hung on by the, the skin of the team last season, and now you can see the fruits of the labours. They've brought in a, a lot of really good players this season. And although they keep sort of banging about permanence first, they should be looking really mid-table upwards with, with the bunch of players they've got together already. But again, it's little by little, or poquito poco, as they say here. It's a case of build gradually, uh, and I think they'll want to do the same at Watford, depending how much money they throw at it straight away. But they don't tend to throw silly amounts of money at club. What, what you need to be prepared for is that they'll invest in players, but they'll invest in players and they'll look to see a return on them in the future. Insofar as Watford, Watford won't be a feeder club as such, which is the case with Granada. A lot of people say Granada are a feeder of Watford and they're not they're, they're their own entity. They'll make investments as part of the group into to Watford. They'll do the same with Granada. They'll do the same with Udinese. 
basically they'll move players around. It, it, it's modern football. You've got three modest clubs in reality that are in their control and they're, they're going to be punching above weight. And the only way they can do that without receiving the same sort of sponsorship and, and publicity and, and other sources of revenue is through moving players around. Watford fans are, are rightly very proud of our youth setup. Now, how did the young Granada players do under, under the Pozos? Well, what you've got to bear in mind is that Granada was a club close to closure, so they didn't have anywhere near sort of youth system at Watford. That said, I've no doubt whatsoever that the Pozzo family won't want to ruin a good thing. They'll want to, to have a mixture of investment signings and players coming through the youth system. And that'll have been one of the big, big attractions from Dubai Watford. With Granada, it's through their efforts that now the youth system of the club is starting to do well. Um, they, they, they now have each of the, the main youth teams are playing in the highest levels possible. And they've improved exponentially, in a, again, in a very short time, just like the, just like the first team. We've seen it before at other clubs when foreign owners come in, so there are worries about Watford losing our club, identi- our club identity under the Pozzo family. Has the Granada identity changed at all? Granada fans have always been um, perhaps amongst the most loyal in Spain. Um, they've always, even through the, the, the darkest years, if you like, the dungeon divisions had a strong following. Um, I mean, sometimes crowds which, in a division where you, you're playing teams that get four or 500, um, they would get in anything up to 10,000 at home games. Um, despite the fact they've not seen top-flight football since the, the mid-70s. Um, so they've always had a, a strong and, and, and loyal supporter base, and that was probably one of the attractions for the Pozzo family to, to, to come and take them on. But uh, the, the, as far as identity, they've always had a very strong identity of their own. Understandably, as the club has risen up the division, as that's attracted more of a generation of fans. So every crowd is effectively a full house now. They are very much their, their own entity. They're grateful for the, the, the positive investment, but they're still very much their, their own club and their own, their own group of fans. As for following what's been going on at Watford, yeah, it's been quite widely reported in the, the local media, um, including when going through the, is it, isn't it sort of stage where Bassani was making some rather... Uh, outlandish claims about the, the finances of the Pozzo family. They, the Granadinos found rather amusing. They, they look at Watford as another brother, effectively. And when I talk to a lot of fans, they're looking forward to perhaps, hopefully, a trip over to, to England for a friendly or vice versa for Watford to come, out, uh, come over to Spain and play a friendly because they've had a couple of times where Udinese played in Granada. So, you know, they're, they're, they're looking forward, if you like, to putting the arm around the shoulder of the fellow brothers in, under the, the Pozzo family umbrella. The same sort of success, if you like, happens, happens at, at Watford. Have you ever met a member of the Pozzo family? When, when Gino Pozzo has popped over for, for press conferences, obviously I've been there to, to report on them. But he's, he's very much someone that remains more in the background, as is the case with, with Kike Pina and Juan Carlos Cordero. They're effectively running the club, although they, they have no right and no ownership of the club. So he's, he's happy to let them people he trusts do the day-to-day running of the club and he keeps aware of, of what's going on. And obviously they tell him what sort of investment and support that they need uh, to make him to the club.
and I would say they'd probably pop over for about three or four games a season. So what do you think Watford fans can expect from this season? When I, I explain to a lot of Spanish fans who are obviously now keeping a keen close on, on what's happening in Watford, is that the, the championship is a lot tougher division than the Segunda division in Spain or Serie B in Italy. You've got 10, 11 teams who could realistically push for, for promotion or for the title uh, when, you, when you look through the squads. But I think, obviously, Watford should be up there or thereabouts this season pushing for promotion. But I would, I would sort of say, if you don't do it first season, there's no reason to be disappointed because they will still be back in the club and they will still intend to get the club to, to, to the Premier League. That's, that's going to be the aim. But I don't think there's a pre-fixed timeline in their mind to do it. So I think there's probably a little bit more leeway with Watford insofar as timescale than there has been at Udinese and Granada. A lot of really good information there from, uh, from Heath. And you, you've just heard our first international <laughs> interview. It's taken us just wide from Tommy a familiar Rooney. face. Tommy Rooney. John, sit down. No, it's not you. It's not John Rooney. It's Tommy Rooney, you div. Yeah, but he's the man who's close to it, and it is good to, to hear that that's how they're approaching yeah, running I, at any football club. I came away from, from that with a really sort of warm, positive feeling. Not, you know, he, and I think there are, there's, there's dangers with, with comparing too much because Granada are in a very different club than Watford and they were in a very different situation when they took over they were a lot further down the league oh, yeah. tree and also the championship is, is a much much harder division than, than they, they've come through but what, what, what was really great was the fact that he, how he mentioned how the Granada fans and now see us as sort of as brothers. <laughs> really, really nice to be part of that sort of uh, that sort of wider sporting family. And I think uh, he, he mentioned a few um, Granada fans were hoping to come over and see a bit of Watford action. And I think we'll definitely try and do. Yeah, that was quite key for me because there's oh. always that. Oh no, three nil, three nil to Spurs. Uh, anyway, as I was saying, um, yeah, that point was quite key to me. I, I was worried they might look at us as, as being a competition for the, the, the better youth players yeah. at, at Udinese. And they might, um, they not like the idea of another club in yeah, sure. fans. It's, it's quite positive to hear that they're, they're keen to, and I to think see us as part I, of the setup. The way I view it, the whole thing is, they've made their money from buying and selling players, which is the only way you can make money in football these days. If you haven't got billions to invest of your own cash, but the way I view it is, they've had a shop window for selling players. They then bought a shop window in Spain to sell players, and they're both in the top divisions out there. But if Watford was to get into the Premier League, well, all of a sudden, we're the biggest shop window they have we are, yeah. in their little shopping centre. So if, if, if Watford do get promoted in the next couple of seasons, all of a sudden, we're the biggest shop window they own. Absolutely. Yeah. We're not going to be a feeder club to Udinese or to Granada. They're going to be feeding, you know, we're going to be feeding to them. I think, we, I think we're clear. I mean, for Watford fans, we're quite used to... We're quite used to the loan system and how it works. We, we've, we've used it quite quite well. And the and the the thought of selling on our best players, you know, let's be honest, isn't isn't something that's completely alien to us. Now the hope is obviously that in two, three, four years, if we can get promotion and can be an established Premier League team, I cannot believe I'm saying those words. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, lots of things have changed since our yeah, last podcast, I mean, Mike. And it, you know, we haven't even kicked the ball yet, so we, it may turn out that those things are still pie in the sky. But if we can get there, there's no reason why we can't hold on to hold on to our better players. And so we're at the start of a journey. It feels like a lot, lot, a lot of water to go under the bridge, obviously. But I think, I think Watford fans are probably a lot more comfortable with it than other people looking in because we're so yes. used to the loan system. We're used to de- we're developing players and selling them on. 
and that's what the Pozzo family have based their their success on. So well, let's wait and see what happens. Cautiously optimistic, I think, is are the two words Key that friend, every Hornsby fan fans are using. Stick on the t-shirt, Mike. Yeah, stick on the t-shirt. <laughs> this is British Sombolonga doing the conga on from the rookery end. Doyle might be about to come off as Hodgson's come on. I wonder if he's going to take Doyle off for a standing ovation. Big day today. You were, you were here quite early, like to talk with the fans. Yeah, I was. I got here about quarter to twelve, so uh, I got to see a little bit of the Legends game, and uh, got to go in the room and say hello to everyone and thank everyone for coming. But you, were, you got hounded right outside the gates when you first turned up and you were signing autographs. And that, that whole day, the team must have been about those the fans' reactions to you, like when you had your guard of honour as you came on. Yeah, well, uh, you know the fans are here for me and the team as well. I'm glad that they turned up. Well, and I think uh, that's, that's underestimating it, Lord, don't you? you? Let's, let's, be, let's be clear about this. I think we were talking on the way over how it's nice to have someone like you who's a character, who's a nice chap and who's loyal. And I think that's why people are here today. And you can, I think you can really sense the warmth of, of people today. And that must feel pretty special, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it's very special, you know. Uh, you know, words can't describe, you know, the feeling that it's felt today when everybody's cheered my name and, you know, want... You know, wanted attention from me. Yeah, but so, I noticed one, one different thing though. As you came out, because you had your your, your your children on your arms, you came out. You didn't do your normal thing of swinging your bottle and then throwing it off to the side. No, I didn't. Did that feel weird? It, it <laughs> did. It did. Um, I did have a bottle just before I came out, but okay. I chucked it. <laughs> I did chuck it on the floor, but um, it's the first time my kids have been mascots and. Uh, they looked like they enjoyed it just as they much did. as I did. Yeah. And of course, the big question on everyone's lips, were you going to get another goal? We thought we might have uh, done a deal with Tottenham where we take a penalty in, but uh, that obviously wasn't the case. Did, no, it, did anyone ever chat with Spurs, see if that might be possible or not? <laughs> <laughs> no, no one had a, a conversation. As, as I said, it was just a, um, you know, a, norm, well, a pre-season game that was dedicated to me, so... Uh, they weren't going to let me score. Okay. <laughs> well, one message for the for the fans who turned up today and let everyone listen? Yeah, I just want to thank all the fans, everybody that's helped put this game together. I appreciate everything that you know I've been through over the last 10 years, 11 years now. So uh, I'm very grateful. Thank you very much, Lloyd. Top man. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Here we are in the second half of Watford's first team against Spurs' first team. It's definitely a Spurs first very team. Very strong, very strong, yeah. um, On paper. On paper. It's currently 1-0 to Spurs with a uh, second half goal. We've just seen uh, Manuel Almunia's first fumble as well. Yeah. Which will put everyone's mind at rest. <laughs> but he's a very vocal goalkeeper. Yeah, which Winston Loach was never. He was very, very noisy. I think everyone, everyone in the ground could hear him in the first half. So that was uh, it's good. And it, just seeing him out there, yeah. it's, you can tell he's an experienced player and it's... Uh, I'm sad to see Scott Lowe's go, but I think in Almunia we picked up someone who's, you know, he's played in the Champions League final, for heaven's sake, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot to be said for it of having an experienced goalie between the sticks. Now, we haven't had many of uh, other than you boys play today, Jason. Um, Pudil at, uh, at right back, uh, left back, came on but got injured and didn't last very long. No, ten minutes so, to be exact. Yeah. This is the same Watford team as last year. 
But they're kind of keeping the ball a little bit more, aren't they? They are, yeah. You can see they're obviously a different style of play. They're keeping the ball on the floor, playing it around. And they look quite comfortable doing it against what we've already said, the strong Spurs side. We've lacked possibly a bit of cutting edge up front. Go on there and now with Aluma on. They found it hard against experienced defenders, but... Uh, We've got the ball forward. We haven't sort of been camped in our own half. We've hey, but guess what? That happened about ten minutes ago. Go on. I saw Mark Yates <laughs> beat yeah. a man. <laughs> what happened right after that? Oh, he fluffed his cross. Obviously, <laughs> he didn't have a clue what to do. But he beat a man right in front of us. I, Jason and John have been pinching me, and we've been pinching each other. <laughs> uh, but he did do it. So, but to, be, actually, to be fair to him, he did it again and had a, a decent shot saved by Cheney. Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Perhaps, perhaps, a, perhaps a new style of play suits him more than the old style. Of play. Yeah, let's hope so because he was a disappointment. Uh, disappointment last year. It's pre-season. We're not going to make any sort of ideas that we know what's going to happen this but, season of football in sense. Because we haven't seen any of the new boys. But the idea of them being a possession-focused football team. Yeah, I think I like. Yeah, I, I think like. So. Always, that's always my favourite type of football. Zola was very clear on that, wasn't he? In his, in his press conference, he, he said, there was, "I can't remember." He said, "There is no discussion. There's no debate. Yeah, we will that's play. I know. A, we yeah. will play a certain way, yeah. and that's evident already." You know, and I think the fact they look so comfortable doing it at this stage, at sort of early doors, it's sort of, yeah. I mean, it's an ultimate pre-season game. So, let, having said that, it's a hot day. You know, no one's really going to be going hell for leather. But you're right, Jace, to see him putting a plan into uh, into action is uh, is relatively pleasing. Well, it's, it's a plan that will do quite well against many teams in the championship, right? You've got. I mean, it's all well and good keeping the ball, but you've got to have that cutting edge. You've got. To, you have got to um, convert possession into goals. And, um, that, and you do wonder at this stage, on you know, when we look at who's playing up front, what, 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 how are we going to cope with that? Yeah, you know? but the thing is that you said it, but we've signed seven players. Apparently, eighth might be coming next week. Yeah. And none of them are really are playing here. <laughs> Who knows? That, 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 that you, you hope with inside your heart of joy and good football my heart is of joy <laughs> Do you, have you ever met me <laughs> that is that's, that, that's what those new signings will bring oh, there with a the, the little bit a little bit more attacking we need a goal scorer we need, we need a goal scorer there's no, no two ways about it but they're not they're not easy to find whether you've got Gianfranco Zola as your manager or not you know, we but we did see him having a good old chat to uh, Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe, as he went off, I'll give you yeah, a good couple of seconds chat. Yeah, but Defoe went off laughing, so. <laughs> oh, it didn't work. His offer of a contract would probably have been dismissed. But. Well, we're going to be back with the first main podcast of the season after we've seen a few games. Yeah. We'll talk about how they've developed after the Birmingham City game, we'll do our podcast, and hopefully by then we would have seen a fair few games of football to really start seeing how this is all going to be working under Mr. Gianfranco Zola. Uh, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to get in touch, Mike, how is the best way for people to get in touch? From the Rookery End at podcast.com. No, other way around. Podcast at from the Rookery Because that's also the email address to send your answers to our competition to win Gianfranco Zola's first ever Watford name place. Good prize. Uh, and if they're really snazzy, Jace, there are many ways in social media that they can get in touch. There are. You can try Twitter if you're a Twitter user. We are contactable uh, at Rookery John. That's J O N. Indeed. It's at Rookery Mike. That's I-K-E. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> and that's at Jace Bailey, which is B-A-I-L-E-Y. And uh, also our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Rookery End. Keep your eye on there. We'll be ramping things up, obviously, as the football season uh, starts to kick into action. So will we on a, and the website as well, from therookeryend.com. We'll have plenty to say as the new season unfolds. So, uh, and that's, yeah. that's the exciting thing, seeing a season unfold in front of us. That's what it's all about. Premier League this time next year, boys? <laughs> Mr... Mr. John Mooney, ever the eternal optimist. There's a question, do you want an answer? Yeah, yeah. relegation, no. relegation, Mike? Not, not relegation, I'd be disappointed if we got relegated. If we get promoted, I'll eat my hat.
<laughs> That's on record. That's on record.